As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Carry back the paper and create residual income for yourself. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We interview best ever guests and they give us their best real estate investing advice ever. And we don't get into the fluff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. With us today, we've got a note buying expert. His company's been buying notes for over 20 years. How you doing? Troy Fullwood. I'm doing great, Joe. I'm looking forward to sharing some great nuggets and some uh, tools and resources to help out the listeners in their note-buying strategies. I'm looking forward to it as well. I am not as familiar with note-buying as other areas of real estate, even though I've interviewed a lot of note-buyers, just not something I've done personally. So looking forward to digging in. Before we do, a little bit about Troy. He has been a real estate investor since 1996. He's based in Chandler, Arizona. His company is called Pinnacle Investments. And with that being said, Troy, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and talk a little bit more about your focus? Absolutely. We got involved in the space of buying performing first lien residential notes on a nationwide basis. We got started buying them from uh, fix and flip rehabbers who were going out and upgrading houses and, say, revitalizing neighborhoods and things like that. They're an amazing group of people. And we started in that space 
and then migrated into buying non-performing first lien notes in 2005 and six. And then at the beginning of 2007, we were approached by a large Wall Street hedge fund, domestic and international fund assets. We would put together a model to go out and purchase non-performing notes. And so we designed the model. They gave us the capital and launched into the non-performing note space, residential first lien on a nationwide basis in 07 prior to the crash. And we were able to get in on the front side and scoop up a lot of product and did that for about three years. And I was given an opportunity to sell my majority share in the firm back to the capital group. And it was at a time where I was very interested in that. I was actually on vacation with my daughter over in Europe and they contacted me and we sold the company when I was in Europe for 10 days. So uh, it moved very quickly. And then I went kind of, I say, low key from about 2009 to about 2012, just watching the markets and doing some boutique trades and some buying with some firms on Wall Street and leading some investor groups overseas and buying a product. And and then I got back out in the side of the education world and really have scaled our company according to current trends in the market space. And our big focus is buying performing residential notes and buying non-performing residential notes with the intention of rehabilitating the loan and putting them in our portfolio. So it's been a space that we've been in for uh, 20 years, a combination of 20 years, and uh, really enjoy it. It's a growing space. It's a changing space. It's a space that a lot of people are, how do you say, dipping their toe into and starting to learn it more and more, which is good because there's a lot of tools and resources that can help people build portfolios and scale their business. So it's a great space. So a little bit about us and kind of what we're doing. Performing notes and non-performing notes, can you very quickly give a definition for each for the best ever listeners in case anyone's not familiar? Absolutely. A performing note is a residential note, and I use the word note, but it's actually note and mortgage, and some people refer to them as mortgages. They mean the same thing. But a performing note is something that, uh, say, a private investor or a uh, homeowner would sell their house and they carry back a note and mortgage or a note and deed of trust, depending upon what state it's in. They collect payments for a period of time, typically anywhere between 20 and 30 years, based on the terms. And a home buyer would make payments to that note or that home seller or that property seller, and they collect payments for as long as they wanted to. Usually, that lasts about nine to 12 months, and then the note holder, I say, a little bored with it and ultimately opts to sell off the note versus collecting a five or $600 a month payment, they'd much rather have $60,000, $70,000 cash, lump sum environment. So that's the performing side where they're making payments every month. And then the non-performing side is that same note that ultimately a homeowner paid on it for two, three, four, five, six years. And then for whatever the reason, they weren't able to make payments on it anymore. A lot of times those reasons center around health hardships loss of job, divorce, deaths in the family, things of that nature, which have a tendency to send a homeowner into a tailspin, primarily because they just most homeowners don't carry a lot of savings. Or if they do, it's typically around three to four months. And once they go through that, then they tend to start to default on their mortgage. When that happens, and I've seen people go as long as five years without making a mortgage payment and still living in a house, we step in, we buy the loan, we sit down, we meet with the homeowner, put together a game plan to get them back on track and affordability factor 
and let them live in their house. We found that to create some amazing returns inside of our portfolio without the extra work of obtaining and fixing and working on the house to get it up to, say, uh, current resale standards. So, so that's the difference between the two. One, performing their, obviously they're making their payments. Non-performing means they stop making their payment at some time in the life of the loan. What type of discount do you get on a non-performing note versus a performing note when you buy it? On the non-performing side, the lowest uh, probably our, I say our feather and our cap deal. We picked up $86 million worth of non-performing loans from the government, from the feds. We paid 1.2% of the UPB, so that was a pretty nice deal. And what's UPB? UPB is unpaid principal balance, so that was the current balance of the overall package was $86 million, but the uh, UPBs vary from uh, asset to asset. And so $86 million is what the loans were. And you paid how much? 1.3% of that. 1.3%. Got it. Right about a million dollars for $86 million. Now, that's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. Typically, on a based on current trends going on in the market space, you can divide notes up into three different categories. You've got what I call your war zone product, which is typically values below $60,000. They tend to be in rough zip codes in a city or neighborhood, and they tend to be pretty beat up. And uh, a lot of those can be firebombed homes or homes that have been stripped of electrical and plumbing, as well as they've been maybe uh, vandalized to some degree. And those homes typically are in those conditions because they're vacant. And that product trades in less than 20 cents on the dollar as a whole, understanding that there's a, a lot of heavy lifting on the backside once you foreclose on that property. And then you've got, I'd call it a B group, and that product is homes typically around 70000 to hundred and about 150000 tend to be in a little bit nicer neighborhoods. People tend to be living in the homes, so there's some level of maintenance on it, maybe not ideal as a whole, but the home is all in one piece. The AC still there, plumbing, electrical, all that kind of fun stuff. And that product is trading anywhere between about 30 and 45% of UPB. And then you've got what we call kind of a, an A-grade product, which is product uh, values going from about 150 on up as a whole. It'll go up to about 250. That's typically the street-level investor product flow is our home values or UPBs 250000 and less is what trickles down to the uh, street-level investors and creates the opportunity for them. And that product there is trading anywhere from about $0.50 cents up to as high as $0.75 cents as a whole. So kind of got a, an A, B, and a C category for mm-hmm. each of the products. Now, you mentioned that $86 million worth of non-performing loans, you paid 1.3% to acquire it, so about a million dollars. When was this? We bought that particular portfolio back in 2006, actually. All right, good. So that gives us the benefit of looking back on how it performed. So what happened with this $86 million portfolio of non-performing loans? That particular portfolio, in the end, our numbers worked out where we ended up doing some short sales on about $11 million of it 
went into a short sale status. We turned about, was it 15.3 million into performing loans. And then the rest of it, we basically sent to collection and into foreclosure. There was a lot of forgiveness of debt in that area as well. In the end, we ended up liquidating that off through foreclosure sales and then even settling a bet. We actually had a number of people just settle for 50 cents on the dollar and avoid foreclosure and end up with their home and went that route as well. So we did pretty well at the end of the day. It was all leftover product from the RTC days. So it actually went back to our last recession or RTC collapse. And this was all leftover product in that particular niche. And then we ended up going into another recession in 2007. So we're going to see a lot more of that type of opportunity come forward. Right now, product at the end of the day tends to be a little bit on the high side. But home values have also gone up as well. There's been a lot of uh, weeding out of uh, lower tier product. And so you typically are seeing higher quality homes in higher quality neighborhoods which ultimately are going at a premium. When I say a premium, I'm talking at you know, 70 cents on the dollar. New York tends to be a state that gets a little bit higher than that, 75 in New York, just due to the density factor in the overall cost and opportunity in the New York market space. How much would you say your company made on that $1 million purchase? $15 million in performing notes back, and those have been performing since about a year and a half to get going. So we ended up at the end of the day, we captured right around 43, $44 million at the end of the day on a million dollar investment. And where did you find this opportunity, the $86 million worth of non-performing that you bought for a million? We found it by working directly with commercial. We had some friends that were commercial RTC buyers. And um, even though... What's RTC? Sorry, I should have asked that earlier. Resolution Trust Corporation. What it was, was, and this is going back 1992-93 area, what happened was when the savings and loans crashed, they set up the RTC to take over all the assets of all of these banks. And ultimately, it was basically government-run property management company, for lack of better words. And, of course, they had all these federal employees managing real estate all across the country, and they really didn't have the skill set and the insight as, say, a uh, private investor would. And some of the properties did good, and they went and they sold them off on a retail basis, listing them with agents and things of that nature. But there were a lot of properties that just kind of fell by the wayside. And we had a couple of friends that we were doing business with in San Antonio when our office was located there. And they were consistently going into the RTC and picking up commercial office buildings and plots of land, office space, strip malls, all different types of properties. And they'd go in there and buy them and negotiate them. And ultimately what happened was RTC had this package of what I call basically leftover product. And they didn't want it. And they didn't really know what to do with it. And I had a friend that was close with the RTC because they'd done a lot of deals. And he asked me if I was interested in it. And the price was right. And it was worth a gamble to go after it. Now, I did have some deals in there that were really nasty deals and some deals that had a lot of uh, back taxes associated with them. Uh, When I say nasty deals, there were some deals that were mobile homes with no lands. They were a chattel title product 
but it was an all or nothing trade. You had to take all of it or nothing. And so those chattel title deals, the mobile homes tended to not be worth much. And so we just did a forgiveness of debt and released it and moved on. And we're able to use those losses against our taxes and carry forward aspects of our business at that time. But that's how we, uh, to me, when I look at it, I guess the easiest way to answer your question is we found the deal through relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you took the long way, though. That's interesting. So I'm glad you didn't just say through relationships. So thank you for sharing that story. Now, let's talk about really quickly, you just mentioned something, and that's mobile homes were factored in there with no land. What about something else that didn't go right and what you learned from it when buying? It doesn't have to be about that deal in particular, but just maybe another deal. I think the common denominator between deals not going right really centers around due diligence. You know, our industry is very paper intensive and we're constantly having to do basically start the cycle over on every single deal. So if I'm buying a hundred deals, I've got to have a hundred BPOs, I've got to have a hundred title searches, I've got to go through this one by one. And usually what I find is when we don't do our due diligence properly or effectively, we end up losing money or we find out problems that exist. Case in point, I bought a a little note deal out of Tennessee, a little town north of Chattanooga, Tennessee, in midsummer. And I bought it for $4,000. It was a first lien note. And I just kind of rolled the dice on it. It was sold to me by a friend. I didn't do all my due diligence on it. Figured $4,000, I'm willing to just buy it and I'll deal with it later. Well, when we got into looking at it deeper in August of this year, we found out that the property was a one-bedroom, one-bath, about 850-square-foot home, and the town that it was in was just in a tiny, less than 1,200-person population town. And that's really not our niche as a whole. So what I did is I went and I reached out to an investor in Chattanooga and said, you know, hey, I've got this non-performing note. It's a first lien. It's in this town. It's about 20 miles away from your hometown there. Would you be interested in it? And so he drove up and he took a look at it and he called me up and says, you know, I'd love to buy it. And I said, I'll sell it to you for six grand. I bought it for four. I'll make two. I'll sell it to you for six. And he was planning on foreclosing on it and then turning it into, uh, well, he was going to do an option agreement uh, with, uh, or rental lease to purchase type agreement was his model. And he found while he was researching it that it was also in probate. The father had passed away and two sons were fighting over the deal. So he had a couple of hurdles he was going to have to go after, and I didn't want to deal with it. The costs in flying there and doing all those things were just going to be cost prohibited. So I sold it to him, sent him the file, he sent me the money, and talked to him a couple days later to, to make sure he had everything, that he understood everything, and see if he had any questions. And, and he uh, said he'd gone back out to the property and that the yard was mowed. Hmm. I said, okay, well, what would you find out? He says, well, I started talking to the neighbors, and apparently the next-door neighbor had mowed the yard. I said, well, that's nice of them. <laughs> he says, yeah, the next-door neighbor wants to buy the house. I said, well, that's awesome. How much do they want to buy it for? He said, well, you offered me $18,000. I said, Congratulations. <laughs> I said, if you want to if you want to sell the note back, let me know. And, <laughs> and so so it was a situation that really 
you know, I didn't knock the cover off the ball. And it just, I didn't follow my own best advice. Like, I didn't do a BPO on it. I didn't do title on it. I didn't do any of those things before I threw the four grand at the deal. And the person that sold it to me, I trust him. And it was not a bad deal. At the end of the day, when we got the BPO back, it was actually a property in its current condition was worth $29,000. So we were still, numbers-wise, we were doing just fine. But the cost and foreclosure and traveling and fixing it all up and, and trying to work in a small town became very costly very quickly. And we ended up making 50% on our money still at the end of the day. We made 50% in less than 90 days. When you put that on an annualized basis, that's 200% return on our money. So we did fine, and the gentleman who bought it looks like he really knocked the cover off the ball when uh, he's going to be able to go in there and, and uh, sell it to the next-door neighbor at somewhere around $18,000. So he did good. We did good. Had I have done my due diligence up front, I probably would have walked away from it, just knowing the size of the property. And as it was, the town was so small, we had to order up three different broker price opinions from three different agencies just to get somebody that could do it. So that in itself took a, took a little bit of time as well. But the, that's one thing. Another thing that I remember this one, when we first started buying non-performing notes, we had bought one, I want to, can't remember the exact town. I want to say it was in Indiana. And we had purchased it in the month of November. And it takes about a, a month or so to board the loans in and, and uh, get them with the servicing company and send out the buy letters and all that fun stuff. Well, by the time we had kind of got our arms around it where we could go in and secure the property and reserve it, when the uh, company we sent out to do that went out in the end of December, what we found out was the prior homeowner had not winterized the pipes and a small basement. And ultimately, the basement was a, a skating rink, an ice skating rink mm -hmm. by the time we got out there. <laughs> so, so, you know, that it does happen. You know, it's, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't our finest moment. Thank goodness for uh, insurance and we could claim against it. And and uh, get some money back to fix it up, but uh, that happens uh, as well. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice, I would encourage, and I don't know the demographics on the listeners here, so I'm just going to kind of wing it, but my best advice for fix and flip investors is what I call the 532 model. And you buy five homes, you fix up all five homes, you sell three homes through traditional means, you're basically getting 100 cents on the dollar, and then carry back the note on the other two homes. It does two things. One is it provides you ongoing cash flow for your business when you sell the three homes, and then the other two homes that you carry back a note on, ideally you'd pick out the best deal out of the five to do that on, and you'd carry back the paper with essentially nothing invested in the property. In other words, you've gotten all your money back out through down payments and through profit from the other ones where you have no hard money liens against it. Long story short, carry back the paper and create residual income for yourself. There's going to be changes in the marketplace in 2017 after we get through this election 
and there's issues that happened in 2008 and 2009 that got kind of swept down the road to 2017 to, I say, pass it off to the next president. And those are going to have an impact on our economy, hopefully not as crazy of an impact as 2007. But by carrying back the paper on the notes or in the form of notes on homes, that gives that investor an opportunity to, one, get ongoing capital to continue building their business, but also, number two, create residual value, which operates like an annuity and a retirement plan for themselves. Self-employed people, which investors are, we tend to forget that good long-term retirement strategies are valuable, and we tend to kind of live from deal to deal to deal rolling the dice or rolling the money into the next deal. And seeing the group of investors that I worked with in the last downturn in the marketplace, when I showed that model to a majority of them had applied it early on. And so they had, how do you say, a safety net when the market turned. And they could kind of sit back and kind of watch what was happening. And they had a couple homes that were in various stages of rehab that they were able to sell and do just fine on, but they were able to, to not freak out and panic and go into bankruptcy and all that other stuff because they had cash flow. That would be the best advice I could give any investor out there is to, one, do what you do well, two, sell off a portion of every deal that you get, a certain percentage of homes that you buy and fix, and then keep some for yourself, but not as a landlord. Do it as a note and mortgage so that you transfer the taxes and the insurance and the repair responsibility to that other person. And given that our market is pretty stable value-wise, I would say at the top of the market, for lack of better words. All right. I love that approach. It gets us away from being transaction-based and then starts building some truly passive income in the way that you describe because you're not responsible for the toilets and the tenants and all that stuff. It's more you are the lender in that scenario. So great stuff. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, absolutely. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Empire Industries, a national award-winning company and the fastest growing property management company in Houston, would like to offer you, best ever listener, a 30-day love us or leave us guarantee. Contact Empire Industries at 888 888- 866-6727 for more info. That's 888-866-6727. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book I've read, The Alchemist. Best ever way you like to give back? My family and I, we go down to Puerto Penasco, or also known as Rocky Point, and we serve the communities down there helping kids learn computer skills and parents learn computer computer skills and we build houses and do all kinds of fun stuff we do that about four times a year actually best ever personal growth experience what'd you learn from it the first hedge fund that we put together in 2007 what i learned my takeaway was twofold one it was a great experience i got to meet some amazing people the second part of it was wall street is rough (laughs) that's my Knowing that Wall Street's rough, how did that change your approach? I learned to treat people better. 
I didn't like the way that Wall Street treated people and everything from employees to clients and it opened my eyes to humanity and just being more aware of how I treat people as well as the people around me, how Wall Street treated people. In other words, getting away from treating people as a number or commodity and getting into treating them more as a human being and working with them from that perspective. Random question about that $86 million of non-performing loans where you paid a million. How many people on your team did you have going through all that stuff? That particular group, we had, I want to say there was 11 okay. on our team at the time, counting the law firm and the title companies and the uh, appraisers. And then we had a, a team of two people in our office that were reaching out to the borrowers on a regular basis. What's the best way the best ever listeners can reach you? You can go to our website, pinnacle-investments.com. And um, you can see we've got a bunch of materials, articles, things like that, a lot of free downloads for them to use in their business. Or you can call our office at 480-831-5067. Or if you want to just shoot us an email, you can shoot me an email at troy at pinnacle-investments.com. You took us all over the world in this interview from skating rinks to small towns in Tennessee to $86 million portfolio, which I imagine was national. And was that national or was that San Antonio? I know it was a San Antonio group. It was a national uh, portfolio. So just loved hearing your stories, learned about, number one, the overall process, but then two what you look for and how the notes have done and specific examples of what has worked, what hasn't worked and what to look for. Thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Empire Industries, a national award-winning company and the fastest growing property management company in Houston would like to offer you best ever listener, a 30 day love us or leave us guarantee. Contact Empire Industries at 888-866-6727 for more info. That's 888-866-6727.